When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, this podcast is all that you get. Josh and Antonio might be it. But heaven knows they'll try. A Ted Lasso podcast on post-show recaps. You better believe it. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk. I'm Josh Wiggler, joined here by the Wonder Kid himself, Antonio Mazzaro. Is it Wonder Kid? I, is it, I thought so. Wonderkind? Oh, God. Well, Wonderkind? Well, now you're going to be the Wonder Kid forever. Oh, I appreciate that. Anything that makes me seem younger. Yes. Uh, Antonio Mazzaro joining me here. Well, what is this? You're Usually you're on a computer screen. We're actually in the same room together? We're in the same room together. This is a... I myself am a patron of Post Show Recaps. This is a $10,000 patron benefit. If, listen, if you choose to donate $10,000 to the Post Show Recaps patron program, I'll come. I'll come to you. Yes. Uh, I'll find you. We'll figure something out. That's totally a perk. This uh, is what I got. This is my perk. This so is what I'm, ha- you got. I'm happy to de- deliver on that promise you made. Uh, a very happy day that Antonio and I are able to get together in person to talk about Ted Lasso season two, episode six, the signal. Antonio gave the signal. Uh, I, I showed up. I did. The signal was a copy of my vaccination card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was very early on in the process. Yes, I got uh, the jab. I made sure you knew. I it. needed the clearance. Yes. Get your shots, people. Um, we are talking about the signal, season two, episode six. Uh, big episode. Lots of stuff coming to a head in this one for Ted, for so many other characters as well. Some introductions. Getting to meet Rebecca's mother. What's Rebecca's mother's name again? Uh, Deborah. 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 That's Deborah. When life hands you lemons. You make a lemon lemon lavender mojitos. Lemon lavender mojitos. Uh, Sounds sounds tasty and also sounds like uh, a quote that you would find on a kitschy t-shirt. As we're going to be talking about that, we'll talk about uh, uh, Coach Kent officially in action. Perhaps more importantly, Coach Nate officially in action, as well as Antonio uh, no spoilers yet, right? You know, we're keeping it... Uh, <laughs> Spoiler, please. No spoilers yet. Give you yourself know, a... I, we are going to talk about uh, episode six. If you haven't watched it yet, we're going to get into spoilers. So you better make sure that you've seen season two, episode six. It's called The Signal. That's the one you want to watch because... One of the things that I didn't realize that I now know because we are in person is I see you reaching behind your back and you're patting yourself on the back. Yeah, it's really great to be right... <laughs> about stuff every once in a while it feels very good when you say 
uh, when you run through every character on Ted Lasso that could possibly be bantering with Rebecca. And then in before the clock strikes zero, right? That's what you call it, the clock. Yes, the clock striking zero as that's clocks what happens are in to do. sports, right? Like yes. there's a, in every sport, there's a big grandfather <laughs> clock. Yes. And when it clo- and when the grandfather clock strikes zero, which is a thing that grandfather clocks are wont to do, yeah, not one through twelve, uh, the game is over. And I think that that's what happens. A guy comes out of the grandfather clock and says, "Well, the game is over." Uh, I'm pretty sure is how that works. Is he himself required to be a grandfather? Yes, he. Well, whether or not he is like a grandfather to human beings, he is referred to as the grandfather. He comes out and he comes out of the clock zero. and he says, "The game is over." And <laughs> just before the grandfather came out of the clock, <laughs> this, this metaphor is really I off said, the rails. But what if Rebecca is bantering with Sam Obasanya? Yes. Check the tape, folks. It's in there. Gosh, I feel great about that. Oh, my goodness, yeah, God. You did it. Got one. We got it. one on the board. We're feeling it. really good about that. One uh, nil. I believe it was the first thing I texted you before. I was like, hey, I'm on my way to come hang out. And I I watched the episode, got that one right. Like, well, how do you feel about the Ted Herring? And I said, oh, well, I needed to see what's the follow through. Like, what are they giving us if they're not giving us Ted and Rebecca? And what they gave us was me being right. So yeah. I love it. So I'm I'm shipping Sam and Rebecca for the rest of my life. If this is your first time listening to post show recaps, uh, Josh does not usually rest on his laurels in no. such a way, but no. uh, certainly deserve. This is a show that has, I would say, I'm surprised usually us. wildly wrong about everything. Well, no, you're usually. I mean, I think we're both. We podcast together. We podcast about a lot of other shows, and I think I would like to say, hopefully, that people agree with this. That I think we've done a good job of predicting where things will go or plotting these things out. But this show has been very tricky. For a number of reasons. Uh, and some of it, I think, is that we binge the first season and we're watching week to week. Some of it is they're, they're want to burn through plot very rapidly on this show with some things. But for other things, they take time to set up sometimes multiple seasons, as we have with Rebecca and Sam, for example. Um, so I think this one's been a little bit trickier and tougher. So it is a little bit rewarding, I think, to put the time in to really think about the story and the characters and to recognize, as you did, Josh... Elaine, that would make some sense. And we'll definitely talk about... Who is Elaine that would make some sense? She's uh, the grandfather's wife. Yes. Yeah. So she sometimes gets involved, depending on if the clock is actually going to strike zero or not. But uh, Elaine, that would make some sense, uh, is involved there. And in this particular case, I think you did a really good job of stating why you thought it could be possible. And I think we can now talk about the reality of it and where... What it might mean for the show, like what it might mean for the characters. Will they really go through with it? Clearly, I think they have to meet up at this point. But like, why? How? What will the side well, effects of that Sam be? just texted her and she hasn't responded yet because she's going to be hanging out with <laughs> naked Luca. She's on two messages. Uh, who's, who's butt naked except for yes. the smile he's wearing. Except for the smile he's uh, wearing. Incredible Does- line. I, I We were watching the episode together. Me for the second time. You for the fourth time. Fourth, fifth. And who's it keeping should, track? should be noted we are recording this on August 27th, the day that the episode came out. We usually record like two days after an episode comes out. And you've already seen it four times. I had to get, I had to get it in. I knew we were going to record today, so I had to do my typical routine. Uh, and watching that first scene again, uh, I one of my favorite first scenes of any of the episodes across Ted Lasso, just the progression of stuff, 
uh, from Do You Believe in Guardian Angels, Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, are you <laughs> naked in there? Are you wearing any clothes? Wearing a smile uh, to uh, like do my uh, the <laughs> my housekeeper Mina is coming in any second now, and then comes her mother, who he mistakes as Mina, uh, who has just left her father, and then Mina does show up, uh, and she'll start in the study, just like the yeah. steady progression of everything that goes down in that uh, opening scene just uh, set me in like the perfect mood for the rest of the episode. We had a mop drop from Mina, which is always funny. I love a mop drop. You love it when a mop drops. This I'm, is a thing. I'm a fan of the mop drop. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. Like it, I mean, not not for nothing. Like Clearly, some time has passed. Uh, Rebecca is, is back on the horse, as it were. I mean, maybe that's the wrong metaphor, but she is back in, back in the game. She's not just playing around in Tumescent. She's She's hooking up. She's got Luca. Uh, Luca is in her life, but she is still bantering with banter about Guardian Angels, not Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Still bantering with LDN152, who we know is Sam Obasanya. So that's still a thing that she's investing time in, even as she's spending time IRL with people like Luca. So it a lot is accomplished right away in this first scene. And we are introduced to Rebecca's mother. Uh, we've met other characters. We, we, we've talked about the importance of some of the familial relationships of this show. What did you think of Rebecca's mom, Josh? What did you think of her being in the show? What point do you think it served for Rebecca specifically? Like, what are we meant to take away from her appearance and the weird kind of sad cyclical nature of her relationship with Rebecca's father. Well, so I, I, I really, uh, I really like Harriet Walter, who is the, the actress who plays this character who has been in a bunch of stuff recently. Um, like has just like been popping up on shows that we cover here on post show recap. She was, had a very notable role on killing Eve. Um, she is, um, occasionally on succession. Uh, so it was just another like, Oh, there she is. Like I've, you're just everywhere all the time now. Good agent. Uh, so very good agent. Agent. So, so it was just great to see Harriet Walter and felt like great casting if you're going to get into the territory um, of Rebecca's mom. Yeah, you and I were talking about this offline. We were like, well, what's the point of some of these stories in this episode, in fact? Um, I think that there is something um, to connect to the title of the episode, which is The Signal. And it's not just the, the bird that you flip uh, <laughs> in order to turn Jamie into a prick when it's appropriate. When it's appropriate. No. No. Uh, that it's not just that, but like, are there all of these different signals that different characters are receiving across the episode? Um, you know, we'll get into what's going on with Ted and the phone call he gets about his kid, which is not an emergency, but he kind of um, takes it on as an emergency. And what are some of the the ripple effects from that phone call that lead to his panic attack on the field, which it should be noted is contrasted. It's juxtaposed with him hearing um, the uh, the he's like reliving Jamie's conversation with Jamie's father at the end of season one. Right. We're seeing um, we're hearing Henry's reaction uh, uh, Henry Lasso, Ted's son, to Jamie Tart as well. So I, I'm curious to like get a little bit into like sort of like the psychoanalysis of uh, of of why that's so triggering for Ted. Um, but other signals, right? Like 
Higgins groans. That's a signal that yes. Higgins is uncomfortable. The glottal. Um, the fact that Higgins is seeing the warning signal with Jane as it relates to Beard. Beard is picking up the signal that Higgins is putting down. Um, what are what's being signified? What are the cycles that we're trying to break? Are you identifying the things that you are careening towards that you are still in a position of being able to avoid potentially um, the the you know the the stuff that's coming your way? I think with Rebecca. Rebecca and her mother, I think that that's that might be that might be what we're getting in this episode is like she she clocks that right like they're in the they're they're at the pub they're getting lunch um she steps away and then uh keely is like super impressed with uh with 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 uh with deborah ted maybe not so much ted yeah. seems ted seems asleep at the table as you observed um but she but uh rebecca is the one it's like they do this every every couple of years they get into a fight she leaves and then my dad gets her some sort of environmentally conscious gift and they get back together and sure enough by a episode's end she gets a tesla uh and she's in the wind uh with the tesla and the shepherd's pie must be heated for two minutes before you can eat it um what is this signifying to rebecca about where her own life could be headed if she's not careful like i think that these are the things that are on her mind like she's finding herself with this idiot luca this very handsome idiot luca who is just like another person who's not like lighting her life up the way that uh roy kent tells her like that's what you deserve back in the premiere of the of the season whereas the person that she is bantering with it turns out to be sam obisanya seems to kind of illuminate her life and not to say that she shouldn't be going to boinksville with luca oh dear that's acceptable and great uh <laughs> is but, that a borough or a township boinksville? Uh, it's uh yeah it's <laughs> off the beaten path okay. uh no beat. Got it. <laughs> but like you know like it's fine to to be there um but is there is there something to break there and is she picking that up um, she seems to be like leaning into the Luca stuff after getting this message from her mom that her mom is going away. So I don't know, lots of word soup to 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 feast upon, but I I think that that is that is for me sort of the through line for a lot of these different storylines that maybe don't seem like they fully connect with each other. Um, that I think that they're all about like everybody's journey in this episode seems to be about like finding a thing that's like kind of like popping off in their in their life that's like the big red light that they should be paying attention to. Definitely. Relationships are often at the center of Ted Lasso. Uh, we've talked about a lot of the familial relationships, especially fathers. Uh, but I think in this particular instance, we can trace that through line, as you're saying, from the first episode where Rebecca has the epiphany uh, when she dumps John Wink's night without even necessarily meaning to. Uh, and he takes it like a champ. But she says, like, I deserve to be treated. I deserve someone who's going to make me feel this way. And so the the banter through line that's been kind of playing out over the last couple of episodes have ma has have made us feel okay the red herring with Ted like have made us really evaluate is it Ted that can bring this to Rebecca is it Ted that can make Rebecca feel the way that Roy Kent says she deserves to be made to feel uh, and it, maybe that's okay like maybe if we feel like that makes sense like maybe that can maybe we as, as we had trust the process as the most popular choice in the poll we put up in the discord at the post show recaps, Patreon, the maybe trusting the process would lead to Ted and Rebecca making sense. And I still think even though we've got the Rebecca and Sam connection now that they have formed and that something will come of that, what could come of it could be a lesson to Rebecca that it isn't just about forging this connection. There has to be something more to it. And part of why I don't necessarily need or want Rebecca and Ted 
it's great how they're there for each other as a primary thing that when we're pretty out on it at this point we're pretty out on it but but i i just i do think it could work and i think it still could work even with rebecca and sam being a thing and you wonder if the banter of it all and if rebecca hanging out with luca Luca, by the way, isn't he like supposed to be half fish? Like, if he gets wet, if this guy gets I think wet, that's right. Is he going to turn back into yes, some kind he of fish to show his true uh, amphibious form? Yes. Well, that's a, we're going to see that in a later episode, perhaps uh, when he's showering. Do they have the effects budget for that? It's Apple money. Yeah, they'll green screen it. Yeah, right? they'll yeah. green screen they'll, it. Yeah, I think there's a there's a movie, a popular movie about a woman who has a relationship with a fish man, uh, with some very uh, upsetting gifs uh, have emerged from that uh, shape of water. So maybe we'll see award that. is an Oscar winning movie. Oscar winning movie about a woman hooking up with a fish man. So uh, perhaps we will see that. Uh, but regardless of what happens with Luca or Sam, we could still be heading in a direction where these are all lessons for Rebecca about life. And I do think, I mean, if we take Ted's maxim, right, that not his magazines, but if we take his, <laughs> we take his maxim. Let's take those though. Yeah, they he, should really have been not, gone a long time ago. He's not using them anymore. Yeah, this is in 1998 and you're not 20 years old. Um, <laughs> this, uh, but if we take that, Ted's maxim from this episode was he loves meeting people's mothers because it's like a little instruction manual on why they're crazy, which led to, by the way, hilarious line about Beard's mom. Like, oh, what, what, by the way, you see Beard scream after that. And Ted says, what's happening with Mrs. Beard? And Beard says, full QAnon. Full QAnon. Hilarious. Yes. Uh, but if we take... Would the, not be invited to this in-person rendezvous. It would not pass the screening, I don't no, think. No, I don't, I don't believe so. No. Uh, but might uh, have a really easy time getting rid of heartworm. Oh, my um, God. What, uh, <laughs> what, what we could say, though, if, if that's kind of a mission statement that this episode makes clear, and we have evidence of that, at least in part, we've got Rebecca's mom on clear display here. What does it tell us about Rebecca, Rebecca's relationships, what she should expect, what she could expect? Like... How is she going to break the cycle of falling in with people like Rupert? Like, what is going to help her get out of it? And maybe the thing with Sam will, even if it's not ultimately where she ends up, even if it's not a thing thing. So I found it interesting to sort of track that, map everything that was happening with Rebecca's parents onto Rebecca, and map that onto the larger story of this season and last, which is where Rebecca's relationships have gotten her what she's ended up doing as a result of them, her agency in that, as Sassy pointed out in season one, like you did this. Yes, Rupert was a part of it, but you chose this. So if the story of Rebecca and her arc over these three seasons is her learning how to break out of these cycles that she finds herself in, it is interesting to map Luca, Sam, Ted, all of that onto this. And her mom's situation is a perfect example of what happens if you don't necessarily break that cycle is you end up in a different cycle where it repeats and repeats and repeats. And it may not be ultimately what's best for you. Higgins is a great example of this, though, because he's got the healthiest relationship on the show, a one that the show has featured, put as a centerpiece of a healthy relation relationship. And we see him trying to say to Beard, like, I know this isn't really what's best, but maybe it's not his job to say that. Maybe and Beard seems to hear it. It does seem to go OK. But I found that plot line exceptionally interesting in light of what we're talking about in this episode, like where are these stories going the Higgins thing, there was some definite comedy in it. Higgins's noise, him eating that pesto or whatever that was, where he's leaned up against the rail when he hears 
Jane tell Beard she's going to meet up with some old uh, college chum who's a model, an underwear model. I also we, just love that his floating office in this moment in time is that he's just like leaning back against the wall like <laughs> yes. he's a reporter at a comic book convention. Like, That's something that you are. Yeah, maybe he's going to see Chris Evans walk to the bathroom or you something. You know, like, what's he doing there? Like, just like, there's got to be a, <laughs> you don't want to sit on a chair? Yeah. How you can't just sit at, at like, any that's why desk. he like pops up like he's freaking Wilson in Home Improvement or whatever. <laughs> like you know, like he's oh, able to just, like shoot up. Yeah. yeah, and he's giving good advice, uh, uh-huh. popping up over the fence and giving sage like advice. Yeah. Maybe he is a Wilson. Yeah, Wilson Higgins. Yes, that's a thing, right? Could be his neighbor in another but, life. Uh, but I, I mean, it's interesting to look at Higgins Higgins' role in this episode and him. His role is sort of a relationship guru, if as it were. And and map that onto everything that's happening. I mean, Rebecca witnesses Higgins doing what she tells him not to do and what Ted tells him not to do, which is don't involve yourself. She witnesses it and she sees Beard take it well. She sees a hug. Like she understands, oh my God, Higgins did the thing I said not to do. And it actually didn't go poorly. Right. So there are lessons that can be taken uh, by characters here. And by the way, not for nothing, I don't think it's a coincidence that both Ted and Rebecca said the same thing. Don't get involved. Don't get involved. Uh, yet again, another way that the two of them are similar and maybe a way that the two of them could learn uh, a new lesson as we see Higgins dispensing in the wise, uh, glutal way that only Higgins can with his noises. Am I, uh, am I, am I like watching the show like incorrectly to have been surprised by the fact that this was sort of like where Ted was coming from. Cause I was, I was surprised by like when Ted tells Higgins, like uh, I know why I didn't say anything. Cause you don't get involved. Like that felt like uh, kind of contrary to like Ted's whole deal of like trying to like, uh, like get everybody to their best selves, like his interest in people. Um, it feels like it would be like a very Ted thing to to like ask Beard or like step in there. I was I was actually surprised by that. Maybe I'm just misreading the character a little bit. No, I think you're reading it correctly. For me, it's that Ted Lasso himself is this study in contradiction. He puts forward this positive face, this face of I want to get involved, but it's all a front, right? It's all to cover up a lot of insecurities that he has. And we've speculated, of course, that some of those insecurities may be related to his relationship with his father, as he pointed out, in a bar all day, every Sunday. His dad died when he's 16. Like, his positivity is a crutch that he leans on. And I think we saw in this episode the crutch snap a little bit and what what could come from that when you don't... It, it, there's not enough of a defense. Like, you cannot... You cannot constantly do that and constantly be protected. Some things are going to sneak in whether you want them to or not. So I think in this particular realm, it's stay. I stay out of it because his way of being is not necessarily to acknowledge all the trouble, not to get into it, not to get into that deep stuff and just be sunny and positive all the time and believe that by being so, you will solve the problems. Like It will work out if you're just happy and sunny about it. Beard and Jane, okay, maybe they're not good for each other, but Ted's belief is his role is just to be happy and supportive and kind to Beard and let Beard figure it out, uh, because either way, Ted being that way for Beard will solve the problem. But we see that Ted's way doesn't necessarily work, and we see it sneak up on him. Obviously, he gets the call from Henry in this episode, and it's it's something that I think is easy to forget, and when you're in season one... There's a little bit of an excuse. It's that I had to give Michelle space. She told me to give her space. I tried to do a different thing as a result of that. That's why I end up in London. But what it looks like now is slightly different. Now he's staying by choice 
And, I mean, some could say abandoning his child. I've abandoned my child. Right, yeah. Right? Like, you could say that. And if that's the case, like, that call, as though he was still there, as though he was still the emergency contact, it, it really hit him. And that was, I think, a moment, the moment when um, Barbara, uh, that's her name, right? The mother? Deborah. Deborah, Barbara. Deborah. Uh, yes. When Deborah puts him on blast uh, and really not even meaning to says, well, yeah, my situation's similar to yours. But as I understand it, you were the one who was left. That I think really is a trigger for him. And then just seeing everything with Jamie Tart, like understanding that Jamie Tart, the bad guy, Jamie Tart, the prick is in part uh, something that comes from Jamie Tart's bad relationship with his father, as Jamie has admitted. And I think Ted being reminded of that by seeing Jamie be that way, I think all those things really snuck up on him. There isn't necessarily one trigger, but I, I do think, and Dr. Fieldstone could probably help him figure some of this out, but I think his solution is to be sunny in the face of conflict, and we see that you cannot always do that and expect to succeed. And I think that has been a big message of this season. It's one we've talked about on the podcast a lot that is emergent as a theme. So I think it definitely fits that Ted would just say, ah, look, I, I don't involve myself. I just try to be nice. I try to stay, stay away. I do think it was a way of setting up a pretty funny joke where Ted finishes it by saying that was the last time I gave a best man speech, right? Like a funny joke. Right. Yeah. But I think the larger point is that Ted does deflect with kindness and happiness in situations where they're a little difficult. So for me, it does track. It is funny how that stuff seems to like, I don't know if you're feeling this. Um, oh, I'm feeling it. But the but the ways in which like uh like those like those those shots that he takes, just like the rapid fire jokes, aren't working really anymore. Yeah. Um, in the same way, anyway. I mean, like it's still funny. It's still it's still great. And like, don't get me wrong. Like watching Ted come to work and like laughing, uh, get Liam. laughing, Liam. Uh, 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 great payoff from from what is that? Is that season one or is it the start of this season? I think it's a couple episodes into this season. Yeah, yeah. that they talked about laughing Liam. Uh, so yeah, he definitely does laugh like the count. Don't tell Mike <laughs> Bloom that I'm talking about the count right now. Um, uh, don't tell him we're talking about uh, grown men dressed like babies. It's just like the whole the whole thing with like uh, Roy and Keely. I'm shipping you guys. And like like it was it was all like very classic Ted. But I don't know if, if if this is how everybody is feeling or if it's just me or if it's just you and me or if it's whatever. But like you can really like see this stuff as coping mechanisms right now. Like um, I think like the, just like the addition of a therapist as a central figure this season is just automatically going to invite like a certain level of analysis into a character's psyche, certainly your main character's psyche. But, like I cannot see Ted as anybody other than somebody who is just like really trying to like armor up um this stuff feels like deeply deeply defensive this season um and i think like the idea because i was trying to like figure out what is it about like jamie on the field that seems to be so triggering and i think hearing you talk it through makes it feel like if not like fully clear certainly like a connector uh that um through jamie and like remembering jamie being the way that jamie is because jamie had a terrible dad and then like hearing um, that's Jamie Tart, like hearing the voice of his own son, Ted's own son, Henry, that I think it's very clear that like he probably feels like he's being a terrible father. And also, do I belong here? Yeah. Or are things happening here that I no longer need to be here for? Right. Um, 
And when you think about it that way, maybe this three season arc does make more sense that like for Ted Lasso's sake, Ted Lasso has to go home at some point. Yep. I agree. And go home maybe with some silverware, like some trophies, something that the club won because of him. But I mean, even in this moment, he, 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 with the bad fish pie, as it were, leaves the field. Is there a good fish pie? (laughs) Absolutely not. Um, He leaves the field and the team wins, right? Like the team wins. Now they were winning as this episode introduces. We are, by the way, time-wise with the FA Cup quarterfinal, we are at the beginning of March. If you look at the the calendar in the office, you can see uh, that this is basically the first weekend in March. So that's where we're at time-wise. So time continues to pass and we hear... They've won four consecutive matches in the league. They are on the upswing, so we don't know exactly how many points they have, but we are trending to a position where we could end up with them in the playoffs. And we talked about last week how a lot of that is because of Ted, if not indirectly. It is Ted, for example, that finds a way to get Roy Kent back in the coaching staff. And by doing so, clearly improves the team. Yes. You have to give Ted credit for that. 100%. Yeah. I think I'm I'm more of like viewing it from Ted's lens. You know, like from Ted's lens, I can imagine like that. um, I have no frame of reference for a panic attack. Uh, But like I can imagine. Think really hard. uh, I can can imagine, you know, especially because like on the show, it does like it, it, it like on a surface read like appears to come out of nowhere. It's kind of how this stuff can work. Uh, so, like on that level, it does it does work. But like I can imagine it from Ted's POV that he is feeling like um, Roy is the one who just got Jamie to to score a goal. Um, I'm, what am I doing here? Right. You know, uh, and not even like in like this like oh whoa is me way, but like literally like what am I doing here? Right. I don't need to be here. I shouldn't be here. Um, and that's not like the objective reality that like Ted hasn't done anything to contribute to this. These people all like each other a whole lot more ever since Ted Lasso has come along. Um, Roy, as you say, is is now part of the team again, thanks in no small part to Ted coming his way. Um, and helping him help Isaac help himself. Nate Nate is a coach because of Ted. Uh, Nate was the kit man, and he was the guy that was making sports drink, and Ted was willing to listen to him. Ted was willing to be kind to him, and ultimately, Ted was willing to make sure that he got hired. And so their win in this match, yes, it's down to Nate's tactics, which we will talk about. However, the fact that Nate is in a position at all to deliver on that is because of Ted, but I think you're right. Does Ted see it that way? Right. And I think that's the that's the important part. Ted is clearly carrying around a lot of pain, and I believe a lot of pain that is localized around his relationship with his father. And so Jamie's relationship with his father, Sam's relationship with his, uh, Ted's relationship with Henry, these are all triggers for Ted. Uh, and so I, I, whether or not he... It was just a moment. It was a passing moment. Nothing really lingered in the scene where Ted got the phone call about Henry's field trip. But Ted clearly has been carrying that around ever since that call happened. Yeah. And I mean, like, you can, like, think about it from from where he's sitting, right? Because, like, in in this bonus episode, that actually, like, kind of, like, helps to uh, to to work through this arc a little bit. If, if you want to talk about things and, and ways in which the Christmas episode is additive to the story, um, you know, his son... Uh, get he gets his son a drone, like a huge overcompensating gift. Yeah, just um, like uh, just like Rebecca's mother's Rebecca's father 
Yes, the Tesla, exactly. Yeah. Like he gets he gets him the drone. They were going to spend all day together on Skype, or I guess it wouldn't be Skype. It's FaceTime. It's an Apple show uh, that they were going to be FaceTiming together all day. But he gets the drone. He doesn't need his dad anymore. He's just going off and playing in the yard with the drone. Um, there are, I'm sure, ways in which Ted is thinking about like um, how like he looks back on the time he had with his dad. Um, his dad passes away when Ted is, how old does he say? He's like 16? 16, 16. You know, very, very young. And I think that, you know, we don't know the full extent of the relationship between those two. Um, but you can imagine, uh, and you don't even have to imagine, we know for sure a very important, powerful relationship between father and son. You can imagine from Ted's perspective, like, I'm not there for the years in which, like, I really need to be there for my son the way that my dad was here for me. And then what's more, to take the Christmas episodes content uh, into account is like, and maybe what's worst uh, is that my kid may not seem to care is like kind of like the way that like he accepts that, that he just like walks away from the FaceTime. Um, so I think that there's obviously a lot going on here um, in terms of uh, the, uh, the Daniel Plain view of it all, as you say, uh, the milkshake drinking, as it were. It, yeah, it's, it's definitely there. I don't think we're going to end up in a bowling alley of any Sort or I any can kind of bowling, a bowling alley on Ted Lasso. That's I, not that's not a reach. Uh, a murder in a bowling alley, maybe a little <laughs> bit more. I finished. Yes. Yeah, and no, I don't see that happening. Uh, but you're right. I I do think that that's uh, that's a big 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 deal in this particular series. And when you talk about things that emerge when you actually binge it versus when you're watching week to week, I think that's one that it's in, it's really hard to ignore is all the father and son stuff with Ted and all the triggers that are there. Uh, and I think one that it seems like with the end of this episode, we will probably be getting a lot deeper into relatively soon. Yes. Go to therapy, Ted. Thank yeah. you. Like this is definitely the thing to do. Uh, it's a, it's a great thing to do if you, if you can, there's a lot of barriers and obstacles that get in the way of being able to get this help, which sucks. Um, but in the infrastructure of AFC Richmond, there is the therapist who not only is there talking to all of the people on the team that is available to Ted, but like, she's like being very cards up about, Hey, Ted, yep. I'm happy to talk to you whenever you want to make an appointment. Like yep. she's really put it out there with him a bunch of times. Um, it was it was great to see him there at the end of the episode, even if it was like wildly, weirdly creepy for him to just be like lurking in the dark, like I'm ready for an appointment now. <laughs> and I was like, wow, Hannibal. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that Ted or is that Led Tasso? In it's there? Led Tasso. For I don't sure. know. Uh, just lurking in the shadows like Roy Kent. Uh, no. with, the, with, with the mag light, um, I'm I'm very interested to see where this goes. Like I think, like you know, we're trying to get out of like the the like the the serious prediction game. I think for this show, but like you can't imagine like uh the like the 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 full on like therapy episode with Sharon and Ted. Like I think is not totally impossible to imagine. Um, either way, like I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what that might bring out, both for Ted as a character. But also, like, uh, I think that there's um, there's a lot of, like, good, like, both, like, comedic and dramatic potential to come out of a character like Ted Lasso going to therapy. Um, look no further than, uh, you know, like, the, the ways in which uh, therapy scenes can really yield great results on television. Yes. Uh, you and I podcasted about a show that leans on that very yes. hard, Mr. Robot. There's a great uh, therapy episode of The West Wing, Noel, in season two with uh, Adam Arkin as a guest star 
Phenomenal. Uh, one of the very best episodes of The West Wing. Adam Arkin as a therapist? I don't think I would trust Adam Arkin as a therapist. Uh, you've seen him in Justified and in too many other like, things. I don't, where he's I don't trust that guy. Um, you, uh, you, you sh- that's a great episode of Sopranos, Fantastic. obviously, is like that is like... Uh, like Central tenet of the a, show. Effectively, the centerpiece of the show is yep. like the pitch is like a mobster goes to therapy, right? Right, right. Um, so I think like Ted in therapy, like there, there's a lot to be divined from this, both comedically and dramatically. Well, and you know, the, we're, we're talking about Rebecca and how maybe the Rebecca and Sam, it doesn't have to work out between the two of them for it to work out for the two of them separately. Right. I think you could say the therapy could take Ted in an interesting place. I mean, imagine a Ted Lasso, I'm not going to say medicated, but you could say it like, imagine a Ted Lasso who's medicated, like that would be different. You look at what the therapy, if quote unquote, Got Jamie Tart. Where did Jamie Tart end up? And we had to learn that striking a balance is important. That Jamie Tart to be the best version of Jamie Tart can't be this like this person whose essence is stripped away from him. Like part of what makes him good is also part of what makes him bad. And so that is a difficult thing that has to be sorted out. And I think for Ted, of course, the positivity is part of what makes him good. Of course, trusting people and putting himself out there like that is part of what makes him good. But overindulging in that realm is part of what maybe is giving him these problems and that he maybe needs to face down with. And you can see where he might overcorrect and he might become less like Ted, not necessarily led Tasso, uh, but somebody who is listless or just somebody who's a little bit drained. Uh, And it will be interesting to see if that's a thing. And if we have to get to a point where he has to learn how to strike the balance because his positivity is his superpower, even if it is also his weakness, or even if it's being presented as a shield instead of a sword. So I'll be fascinated to see how deep they get with that. Um, Because, of course, they could do it in a way that gets at the heart of it and gets to it, but doesn't strike that balance where you're saying, let's strip some of this away. It's not going to... Dr. Fieldstone fixed Danny Rojas in the first episode in right. 15 minutes, seemingly. Yes. I don't know that I want to see Dr. Fieldstone fix Ted Lasso in 15 minutes. No, I would. I, I think that, that we've been building towards this for so much of the season. And anyway. last season. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it's uh, uh, love Danny Rojas, but like he's not like a central figure in the way that this show is called Ted Lasso. <laughs> you know, uh, getting Ted into therapy is a very significant development. Um, we need to spend some time on that. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that like Ted has to be in therapy for the rest of the show. It could mean Ted goes to therapy and reacts poorly to it. There is certainly um, a lot of uh, material to to cover if that is the case. Um, but I think it, it needs to be... Um, it needs to be significant and impactful and the kind of thing that we end up tracking uh, for a while. So that's a lot of what's going on with Ted. Uh, we got here uh, via Rebecca and the Sam thing. Um, is there anything more on that storyline you you wanted to clock before we moved on? From well, it's them? funny. I, I always take notes in a notes app on my phone and I wrote Rebecca and Sam and I'm like, is this cheers right like rebecca and sam is, is and a, not being a cheers guy i was like i only know sam and diane yeah well uh, sam and rebecca was like what season five i think forward or maybe four four or five right there uh that's the kirstie alley wow look who's talking now uh yeah look who's talking now indeed stop stealing my mail it's a federal offense um <laughs> that is uh that is a um that's a thing that's a cheers thing another cheers shout out just like george went last week i think we have a sam and rebecca and we talked about with Sam and Rebecca how it is seated in season one, how they do have a couple of interactions 
including her maybe misunderstanding uh, that he was asking her to come to a team event. Uh, We saw her earlier in the season being exceptionally gracious when he did not want to do the Dubai Air ad and he wanted it pulled and really standing up and having his back. So this is a person I think that Rebecca respects and that she understands on an emotional level in, in some ways. So I do think it's interesting. Like, when they inevitably do meet, do you think that she will dismiss it out of hand or have they built Josh a solid enough connection? We see her constantly checking that chain for more messages. We see her nervousness when she flips the phone aside to the couch uh, earlier in the season when she sent a, a more risky message that way about what she's looking for. She's looking for love. If they have forged a very solid connection, let's leave aside. I mean, there are a lot of drawbacks from an HR standpoint, not puffing stuff. To um to just the age difference, like is this something that she will be wanting to embrace, or is she going to say, "Oh my god, I can't believe this"? Uh, I mean, like if uh, her mother had good advice in terms of like you only live as long as you live, so let's live in the now. Uh, I hope that she lives in the now and does whatever she wants. If she sees that it's Sam and then it's great, like I hope that it works out for the two of them. I think that the love story uh has like. Uh, very like uh, it, it may surprise a few people who who aren't watching the show like super closely that it's Sam on the other end of the banter app. Um, but I think that we have like we have clocked like a few moments where like it really makes sense. They had their scene in the office together midway through season one. That was literally, I'm not flirting with you. Um, like it feels almost out of place now. It really makes sense uh, that they were like laying track potentially as far back as that scene in season one. Um, there's everything with Nora being really taken away with Sam Obasanya. There's the fact that Sam's stand is um, g- goes hand in hand with Rebecca taking a similar stand in the name of Sam specifically. Like I'm not firing Sam. Um, uh, Dubai Air gets replaced with banter on the jersey. She's falling in love via banter. It's now on the on the on the on the kit of Richmond. Um, all of this well, nice is, one. All of this is cute. All of this is great. All of this could probably be uh, perverted and um, and flipped around in the hands of a gossip rag like, say, the Sun. Oh yeah, oh uh, boy, don't you, say the word even. You know, uh, much as the in the way that Rebecca tried to exploit the tabloids in her vengeance quest against Rupert by trying to take out Ted Lasso and making it look like Ted and Keeley were a thing back in season one, like. I hate it, but I can't imagine the scenario where people um, like look at like there's like something scandalized about like the the end of the Dubai Air partnership and then banter getting boosted and she meets Sam on banter. Like there is a version of that narrative that like, I don't know, jag offs could use to turn this love story into something a lot worse. Um, So I think that this is a. I think it's a good development for the show. I'm a little nervous about how they're going to carry it forward. Like, is this going to be a good thing for Rebecca and Sam? Are they going to get together? Are they going to be happy? Like, that would be great. Um, But what would be really awful is if somehow this gets like becomes fuel. Like if Rupert finds out this story, you know? Yeah. Um, Rupert. And by the way, when they were playing darts in the pub, his number one complaint uh, was Ted's faith in Sam Obasanya. Uh, he says, as soon as I oh, get control of the yeah. lineup, I'm putting Obasanya back in defense and that's it. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't love that. Uh, and, like, that is, I think, I think that there are there are grooves in the pavement there. Um, like, that does feel like a path the show could walk. Well, so, like, and not for nothing. Yeah. We've said it here on this podcast and anyone who lives in the UK knows 
those tabloids are mad racist, like exceptionally so, especially with regard to footballers. And so you can absolutely see they're they're obviously going to tear down women as well. So you can absolutely see where Rupert's connection to those yep. papers and where uh, the fact that Sam and Rebecca are who they are, um, that could really be fodder. You're, I think it's a really uh, smart uh, point that you're making there. I kind of hope we don't get that dark. I hope so too. If you're talking about ways to bring Rupert back to the show, as we are, and as we have speculated, you know, we were worried he might be on the other end of the banter app. That seemed to be the darkest timeline. That doesn't mean he can't play a role in that story, and that would be an easy thing to do for sure. On the other hand, um, as Richmond builds more success, maybe Rupert won't be that upset. Like maybe he's not going to be so spiteful. The fact that he's gone, period, so far leads me to believe that he's okay staying away and that it would only be Richmond doing more poorly that would bring him back. So if they're doing well, maybe he's not going to be as uh, desirous of causing a problem. So we shall see. We shall definitely see. We shall see. Um, we should probably talk. I mean, do you want to let's talk about the coaching staff because uh, I feel like there's developments for uh, the three members of the coaching staff beyond Ted. Um, and I don't know in what order you would want to take this apart. There's Beard and Jane. Let's go with Beard and Jane because I think it is loosely connected in terms of the relationship storylines in this episode. You know, Beard and Jane clearly are uh, very hot and cold. Like they really are uh, a certain type of way for each other. We saw it in season one when they would get apart and she would be teasing him by playing chess with someone else at the bar, right? And he was just furious about it. But then when he made a stand to the guy that she was teasing and, and he pointed it out, check, mate, he says, uh, Jane loved it. She loved that she created this drama that he responded to. It definitely seems like whether it's popping out and scaring him, whether it's stalking his coworkers home to ask if Ted and Beard are in a relationship or no matter what it is, uh, they definitely have a very passionate uh, and a hot, uh, hot situation going on there. So I don't know if it's good necessarily. Higgins, the, the person who seems wisest about relationships, seems to suggest that it isn't. But he also says, like, if you care about someone enough, you have to keep trying. That's what he says about why he's going to make it a point to say something to Beard about this, even against Rebecca's advice. But I think you could map that onto their relationship in general. Like, Beard cares about Jane. He's going to keep trying no matter how much they pop in and out. The Christmas episode, they broke up off screen. They've gotten back together on off screen. Like this, we thought it might just be a punchline. I think it's something a little bit more than a punchline now. It is definitely played for comedy, but this was a lot of beard in this episode, Josh. And you said almost a little too much beard for you, or maybe too much beard for you. Uh, I think it was like right up to the edge and maybe like a tiny bit past the edge. Like I think this is more than I need. Um, in terms of like learning personal things about him, you mean? Yeah, like I think that Beard is like a great utility character. Uh, like I think like Beard can be like Beard is like best used for me in moments where like Jamie comes in and says, "I don't even know what to say around you," uh, and Beard says, "Then it's working." Jamie sounded very Irish, there. you know. Like I mean, I'm not doing the Jamie Tart voice. Don't know what well. to say around you. Yeah, but I always say he's won't work with me. Uh, <laughs> I'm ugly. I'm ugly. Uh, like I, I don't. Uh, I, I, I like that version of Beard best. Uh, at a certain point, I'm just like I'm circling the drain of saying the same thing that I say about Beard every single time. Um, and at a certain point, if the show is going to continue like mining the Beard and Jane story for content, 
I'm going to have to get on board or just be like, I don't like this. Uh, and I, it's not that I dislike it yet. Um, it's, it's for sure that it is um, the least compelling main character story on the show for me by a lot. I understand that. And I, I too, I prefer Beard in the, the Ted Whisperer role. Uh, whether it's him saying, you remember what you told me when I had that relationship with that dancer from the cruise ship? You know, and I said I was never going to date against her, date a dancer again. And you said all people are different people. Like I like him as sort of this person who can get through to Ted, who can understand Ted in a way that others don't, who gets the lead tasso of it all, who understands that it's a last resort, who understands when Ted is not doing well. Like I really respect that about Beard, and so I do like that we have a reason to understand why Beard is a little distracted, and why. This horrible stuff can be going on with Ted and Ted can be in so much pain and his best buddy, the guy who gets him the most, isn't really there. We got a joke about it, like when uh, Shannon showed up instead of Beard in front of Ted's house that one day and Shannon had the coffee and she said he said muttering something about Jane. I think it's been introduced that Beard can be pulled away from this by Jane and that Beard's attention to other people's needs can be drained by Jane and his desires. I mean... Ted was alone on Christmas because Beard wasn't there. Why wasn't Beard there? Stonehenge, a weird friend trip to a pagan ritual uh, because of Jane. So I do, and and this is not a drain on Jane. Like, I think Jane is great uh, for Beard, as I was saying, in the ways that she is. But I think it, it serves a function of distracting him from what's really going on with Ted and having, if you're just talking about a utility, and I'm not speaking of the my agreement or disagreement with using this sort of thing as a utility, but the utility of it is to, I think, take him away from Ted at moments when Ted might need him. Yeah. And so that happened in this episode for sure. Like Beard was cognizant. He was in the room when that call went down. Uh, Keely was in the room too. We got a shot of her noticing it, recognizing it. But when, when Ted was at his deepest moment, Beard just sort of played it off. He had a stomach thing. I'll check on him on the way home. And then what we see is Beard walking away with Jane. Not Beard checking on Ted. Not Beard worried about where Ted is. None of that. It's Beard in the parking lot with Higgins, then Beard in the parking lot with Jane, wearing a new hat, like literally wearing right. a new hat. The show, the show needs to, for whatever it is the show wants to do with Ted, it sounds like the show, or it feels like the show needs to unplug Beard from that. Yep. So how do you do that yep. um, without, you know, like sending him back to the States? if not through having him have like this storyline where he's distracted by Jane. I think for, for me, like I'd be fine to like hear about this and see about like, to, to like hear about this instead of see about this, like to have this be like continued, like off screen banter. But I also understand the point potentially even in the writer's room, especially as like, maybe they start like getting deeper into like, just like patently unfunny territory. Right. Um, that like, they don't want to just like have beard fully as a gag in that regard, that beard's absence can't just be played for laughs that like, you do have to like find some way to extricate him in um, a cards up narrative manner. Um, So I, I, especially with Brendan hunt being in, you know, part of the writer's room too, and probably feeling defensive about that character. So like I, I buy that. I get that for sure. Well, and this one was written by Brett Goldstein, Roy Ken himself, who wrote tan lines in season one, another episode that really gets us into the meat of Ted's relationship with Michelle and everything that might have motivated Ted to come to the first place, to come to London. So I don't think that any of this beard stuff was just there for a singular purpose. I absolutely do think that there's a utility to it. And like I said, 
you can disagree with using uh, maybe what might, some might call a trope of uh, you know a relationship that is pulling someone in a different direction and the unfair, like just the way that that comes down on Jane in an unfair way. But I, I do think you're right. Like it's about unplugging the, the, the Ted whisperer. It's about taking his support mechanisms away from him. And how do you do that? I think Beard and Jane in season one was a, was a goof. Like, I think it was a joke. It was that, okay, Beard has this secret relationship. Right. Like, where did this come from? Right, He's right. like, you know, and then in season two, it's been a little bit more of a joke. But I think here it was definitely uh, deployed and weaponized in a much different way. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm, uh, let, uh, let me check off the poll and say, trust the process. Chekhov's poll? Yeah. Chekhov's trust the process. So like, I'll trust the process. I'll see it through. I'll keep, you know, um, I'm not loving it right now, but I think that you make an incredibly good point about the utility of taking Beard away from Ted. Um, is there another way of doing this than what the show is doing? I, I suspect that there, there is, but this is certainly the path that, the writer's room collectively agreed upon uh, or arrived at rather than agreed upon because, you know, these are things that just end up happening in certain cases. Um, uh, And I'll see it through. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. But I wasn't loving it. It wasn't my favorite part of the episode for sure. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What about uh, we have put a lot of effort and attention into Coach Nate, uh, and I think that one uh, played off a Park lot. The bus, a lot, the a lot better. Kid. Yes, and this is something I've been saying that what we saw of Nate in season one was we saw him being a wonder kid, as you will. A wonder kid might have been a shout out to Football Manager, an exceptional. Uh, simulation, soccer simulation game uh, that is ex- really popular in the UK uh, that has not taken off as much in the US, but where you basically play the role of a general manager who's making all the decisions and who's uh, acquiring all the players, over taking a franchise and doing all the micromanaging from developing players to what kind of attention you're going to pay in training to certain things. You don't as much care about the actual moments of the match that you're you know, controlling the players. It's more about simulation. 
and Wonder Kid is uh, is a very popular thing in that game. It's somebody that you can sign that's young, that has a lot of potential and develops into a great player. So that might have been a shout out to that and, or might have just been a goof. But either way, what, I, what I've been feeling about Coach Nate is we saw him being that Wonder Kid in season one. We saw his moments getting the lineup together or you know, designing specific plays, using Jamie as a decoy uh, and how that could be effective. And that's what really opened Ted's eyes uh, to Nate's role and how that could be something more than just a kit man. Uh, we didn't see as much of Nate in this season being effective like that. In fact, we haven't seen any of it as far as I can remember. Until now, yeah. Yeah, we've seen him being a dick. Uh, we've seen him being like just a little bit on the outside of some of this stuff. We've seen his relationship with his parents and him gaining a little confidence with the Henry Higgins moments uh, with Keeley and Rebecca. Uh, we've seen him develop that, Josh. Now he spits. That's a thing that he does. Spitting is his trigger, is his mechanism. Watching him hulk out via spitting last week was terrifying. And then this week was just outright hilarious to me. Very funny. Uh, Mumbling to himself in the non-confident way, park the bus, park park the bus. bus. And then just hawking a lug on the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, And and he's ready to rock. And the comp... Great performance. Uh, is it Nick Muhammad, right? Yes. Is the guy who plays yep. Nate. Great performance uh, there when he just turns it on. Like he's and the, the, the timbre of his voice changes. Like his confidence just ratchets up so significantly in that moment. Um, and for those of you who don't necessarily know the strategy of the game, um, parking the bus. I mean, football is a game about space and it's about movement as much of anything else. That's why they call it the beautiful game. It's there's a fluidity to it. Um, when you can restrict the space and restrict the movement by taking all of your players and forcing them to play defense, um, you're making the other team essentially bring all their players, including their defenders, not their goalkeeper usually, but everyone else up a, into that into the other team's half and try to attack. What that means is there's so much space behind them. Things are opened up. One little mistake and your team can be off in the open field on their own. And that's what Nate was essentially saying. He knew that Tottenham would want to score a goal. And he knew that if he brought his team back and basically baited them, drew them in, all the space would be open behind them. And Richmond would be able to hit them on a mistake and and in counterattack. It's exactly what happened. We don't see it on screen. I think it's masterful how it's delivered. It's important. It's important that we know that it worked. But it is also not as important or it's equally important with finding out what happened to Ted. So we see the celebration. Also, it usually is like some of the weaker stuff in an episode of Ted Lasso when we like dwell too much on like the action scene, right? Like the soccer scene. So like smart way for them not to have to dispense with that for sure. Yeah, I think they've done a better job of it this season. Definitely. And I think the budget has helped. They found ways to make it look bigger. Um, and they found ways to do different shots. The CGI is a little, it's a little obvious there with you some know, of the I watched, stuff. I watched Ted Lasso on my computer. So like, you know, the screen is only so big. Uh, and like, I don't, you know, uh, like, I don't, I don't know that I noticed this stuff, but we were watching it on like a really good TV. It was like, oh man, like Danny Rojas, superimposed. Yeah. Shout out to Jay Wilburn for the great, me. the great TV here yeah. that we just, uh, we enjoyed the episode on. Yeah, it is. Uh, it did not look as good, the CGI. But the <laughs> football, really the football looks better, I think, yeah. as a result. They're able to do these bigger shots, uh, show more of the field. The action's, I think, a little sweetened up. So that's what Nate, Nate's strategy was. He was just like, I'll draw them in. I'll bait them. I'll have them bring all their people up on to try to score a goal by parking the bus, by bringing our team back here and having our entire team play in defense. And sure enough, they make a mistake. By the way, uh, Arlo White announces the person who made the mistake, same guy who Jamie baited. I think his name was Barrett. Uh, so you hear Barrett slips. 
So I don't know if that's because of what happened earlier in the Jamie. match or not. Because yeah. of Jamie, because of I'm ugly. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it was. Maybe it was. Uh, I don't think it was Barrett by accident. I think it was Barrett by choice. Isn't this great that uh, we have um, we have we have Nate having this storyline where like maybe he's feeling uh, you know un- underutilized or disrespected, um, and here he comes in. With this huge celebrated win, Coach Nate is trending on Twitter. Um, does the guy he's speaking to, I think, gets his name right? Yeah. Even yeah, doesn't call him Nate Shelby. Like he's being like, uh, you know, like he's he's speaking with a reporter who like knows what they're talking about. Yep. Uh, he's like, it's everything he ever wants. So like, any any reason. Antonio to be concerned about Nate and where things could be going with him has been has dissipated, right? Like there's no reason to think that anything we fix we we fixed it. Tom Hardy, Mad Max, Jif, that's bait. That's bait. Um that's bait. Uh yeah, that is uh I don't think so. I mean, the problem with Nate desiring uh fame and really we see just a little bit of a, a moment of it when he's scrolling through Twitter and seeing the memes, which by the way, if you pause and you look at all of them, Definitely worth it. They're enjoyable. It's fun to see what people might have been tweeting about Nate, Nate the Great, and Wonder Kid, and all of it. Uh, there's, there's some, there's some good stuff there. Um, but if that's what he craves, and we know it is, that's what he told Keeley last episode, and Keeley tried to talk him out of it. I gotta feel like a little taste of it is going to is going to fuel him. I mean, we saw Nate earlier in this season what a taste of power did to him. Uh, he became so mean to poor Will uh, in bullying him and pushing him around. I do think there's some element of this where a little bit of fame could go to his head and we could have, I mean, we've got what six episodes left, right? So there's a lot. I mean, I don't think Nate is done. I don't think the story of Nate is done. I don't think we started the season on Nate's eyes uh, to just deliver the sixth episode, although it did deliver. I think we've got more left to this story. And I think you could imagine easily imagine a world where Nate getting a little taste of fame could go to his head. And what would that look like? We could play it for comedy for a while and then it could come to a head and we would have to take it seriously. And that's growth, right? Like Nate realizing, okay, I've had a little taste of fame. I saw what it did to me. I like being Nate the Great. I like being who I am in this locker room. I like being respected by my peers. Now that I feel that way, I don't need it anymore. Right. I, I, I do worry on some level that where we're trending to with Nate is very tropey. It's like Nate gets a girlfriend, right? Like that's the that's the ultimate accomplishment for Nate. That's what he's craved. Uh, his Clive Owen sunglasses notwithstanding. Like, that's really what Nate has been seeking. And so I, I hope it ha- if it happens, I hope it, it happens a little more organically um, and evolves. I, I just, I, I, I don't want that to be like, okay, now my arc is that I got confidence and now I finally have a relationship. Right. Because I just, I just feel bad when those are the, those are the, the plot lines that are delivered for success. Because there's so many people out there um, who are struggling in that way and who don't, I just feel like that really leaves them out uh, or or treats them a certain kind of way. So. I feel like uh, I feel like the the arc for Nate that could be taking shape here to like put you know rosier glasses on it, uh, rosier Clive Owen shades <laughs> on it um, could be like ultimately head coach Nate. 
you know like yeah i mean that the definitely you know like, definitely. I, I think like with, the, with like the confidence that he's building the fact that he's like fully on rebecca's radar at this point he's not just like somebody who has to run away and she doesn't know who he is she knows him they're interacting um the confidence with which he's uh, conducting himself from time to time hopefully he doesn't have to spit every single time moving forward um <laughs> but also the success that we have um seen from him when he is implementing that when he is like I think he does have like a bit of a ways to go in terms of like figuring out some of like the 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 social interaction yes. pieces yep. uh, of like you know the ways in which he's like treating certain members of the of the club uh, you know his replacement especially um, that I think there's some finesse that needs to to go down there and I think like that is a big part of like the lasso way and these are the things that Ted can impart on Nate um, is like the like how do you like how do you how do you reach these people in in ways that like are unexpected but like um you know connecting um i think that those are things that he still needs but beyond that i think like the idea of like ted coming to afc richmond to uh you know to basically tank the team is rebecca's goal but certainly his goal is to do something tremendous and incredible when all this time this person uh has been here who uh, is uh, is more than capable uh, and has all the talent and ability to to take care of the the team um, himself? Like I feel like that could be like some end game ish type stuff with Nate ultimately. Well, and we brought that up in the first episode of this season uh, when we open on his eyes, and I think we sort of laughed about it then as like, oh yeah, imagine that. And I think one of the hallmarks of a season two that some people have felt a little more negatively about than others is that we're at where we are now halfway through and it's not a joke anymore. Like we can actually look at this and say, we have tracked growth in Nathan Shelley. Like we have seen it. Uh, we have understood what it looks like. We have understood what success is to him. We've understood what failure and how that manifests. We've seen all of that. Now we're in a position after only six episodes, one of which he's barely in the Christmas episode. And we can say that could be end game material. Like it's actually viable and we could understand it. I mean, if you mapped the classic hero's journey onto Ted Lasso, I believe the last part of that is returns having changed. Uh, and you could see that as Ted's journey, right? Returns to the United States having changed. Um, but his ability to change the things around him uh, have set other people on their own journeys. And I think Nate's journey definitely makes sense where he's getting more respect. He is more confident. Um, and does that mean he's the head coach of AFC Richmond? Possibly. I mean, you'd have to take Roy Kent out of that mix right now. Even though Roy Kent is co-signing Nate, giving Nate all the credit, I love that um, when he's saying that was all Nate and saying that to Rebecca and giving Nate the great job today, like all of that really helps. And I think helps us as an audience see like, well, if Roy Kent's co-signing it, but the team is still calling it the Roy Kent effect, right? Like the team is still looking at Roy as this great guy because he was one of them. And Nate was the guy that they picked on and shoved into lockers and threw into bins. Like now what, how do we take and start to respect Nate more? I still think we have some work to do in that front. So totally I'm definitely agreed. looking forward to that. Definitely yeah. looking forward to that. I think in terms of like potentially like long arc, um, I think that could be a, a direction that we're going there. Yeah. Um, Anything about Roy being back? Uh, he take four percent off my salary because yeah. he's not going to coach Jamie. Quick uh, maths. 
<laughs> and I think that he he ends up doing a great job with Jamie, and I think that Jamie does a great job with Roy. I'm I am really enjoying Jamie Tart this season quite a lot. Yeah, me too. I think great performance by was it Phil Dunster? Phil is the Dunster. Guy's name? Yep. Great performance uh, there. He he plays whatever Jamie whatever like. Like he just occupies this space where he's so dumb that he actually sometimes is smart, uh, and he threads that needle as Ted puts out points out when he says things. Uh, God bless me, everyone. Yeah, uh, that's the Jamie Tart we've seen, but it's been effective and. I love the idea of a Jamie Tart who can sort of be a Manchurian candidate uh, whose prickness is hidden and he needs a little, how about spending the time by playing a little solitaire middle finger uh, to show him uh, the way. Um, I like that, uh, that Jamie Tart can, the prickness can be weaponized. I still think we have a lot of um, Jamie and his dad left. Like, I don't think we have finished that story. Uh, it isn't enough. I don't think it, that Jamie is is playing a little better or that he is able to find this. I still think we're going to put that story to bed before it's all said and done. I don't know what role Roy will play in this, but I like the sort of I detente. Do. Roy he- is going to beat the shit out of Jamie Tart's father. <laughs> Headbutt him. Yeah, uh, let me just call that fantastic. shot. Roy Kent is going to kick the Oy. crap out of Jamie Oy. Tart's dad. Stop being a prick. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see that. That yep. would be great. Uh, I don't know if that's if that I just don't know if Roy will play a role in that or if Roy will play a role in helping Jamie realize that he can stand up to his father. Either way, whether it's Roy, whether it's Ted, whoever it is, uh, I I like the idea that that we're going to see more out of Jamie and that he has that role in the show. What about Roy, though? Nothing really in this episode moved the needle much for me. Roy wise, I mean. Roy and Keely. Roy Kent is a legend, right? And yeah. like, so that's just like the big vibe at the club right now is just like he like literally like his 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 coaching. Uh, to uh, I'm blanking on the character that Colin he, and, and Bumbercatch. Yeah, and, and he just like like uh, like put your head down and yeah. wing it or whatever. Like he just like says a sentence and then they're like, "That's that Roy Kent energy." Yes. Yeah, like they're yeah. like you know like everyone loves it. Roy Kent just needs to like lightly growl at you and suddenly you're a kid in awe of Roy Kent. You know, and so like. That's what's happening right now. It's just like everything he touches is gold. And Nate got all the Nate got all the credit, and Roy loved that. And Roy was make sure, made sure that he got it. Roy and Keeley seem fine. They're in the hallway. Ted certainly ships it. Did Nate get all the credit in the locker room? Now, that is, I don't think I don't in the locker room. I don't know. We didn't see them crediting Roy. We just heard them chanting the "Richmond till we die." Chant. Yes, right. So we don't know. That's a good question, though. I think that's the next step, right? Is the team starting to respect Nate? He's more? getting it on on online. He's getting it at the pub. Even though what's his face calls Nate a lemon, now yeah. he thinks that Nate's dope. Yeah, uh, you know, like that's happening. Baz, Jeremy, and I can't remember the third guy. I really like seeing them a lot. Uh, I'm going to direct my. Paul. <laughs> I'm going to do better for my community. Yes, uh, that was very, very funny. funny. Like I, I, uh, I do. I, I, I want to see those guys at the match. I, I understand. Like that the pub the, is their temple. The pub is their temple, and I, I respect that. But I'd love to see those guys in the ground. I hope that that's the thing that happens at some point. Uh, much to their like, you know, I I'd love to see them get hooked up with like a special uh, box or some sweet tickets or something for something big. I'd like to really see that. But um, either way, yeah, they're giving Nate is getting the credit from them on Twitter, it, you know, who, wherever. But I think the team still definitely views Roy separately and and especially uh, he was their former captain. He played with almost all these guys, so. I do wonder, like, if you're introducing conflict, we speculated earlier in the season, 
like where would the Roy and Keeley conflict, if there is any, come from? Uh, and it just it just hasn't emerged. I mean, they've even teased it on the show, right? That when we first see Jamie really emerge onto the scene, uh, and we have Keeley meeting with him in the cafe, and then we have Keeley, uh, oh, you having a wank uh, in her room? Uh, we had, I think the show was very much leaning into, oh my god, somehow that's going to involve Jamie. That's going to be a whole thing between Roy and Keeley because it already was a whole thing between Roy and Keeley. I just don't feel that way now. But I do feel like if you're going to bring conflict in, that would be the way that you would do it uh, for Roy. And I don't, I don't want or need that. So, I don't want it. I, the show yeah. doesn't seem to be terribly interested in it. Like Keeley's interactions with Jamie and Jamie's interactions with Keeley all seem very above board, adult and mature. Yes, uh, yeah, Jamie they, always greets Keeley when he walks into the room. Hi, Keeley. Like Keeley, you know, like, like, he always says hi to her it in all, a respectful it, way. It all seems very respectful and mature and good. So I'm, I'm not horribly concerned about that. And I also don't think that the show is giving us a lot. No, in that regard. I think all we really got was the Christmas episode when they were too busy to have sexy Christmas. Yes. Uh, and the Phoebe thing, again, could have been a drain. Uh, it could have been a thing where Keeley was annoyed or uh, Roy was annoyed at Phoebe because, he, you know, Keeley was annoyed. That was nothing. It was nothing. It was fun. It was great. Uh, it was anything, lighthearted. If anything, the thing is, is that, like, the show is just, like, not giving keely much of anything yeah yeah it was weird she She asked one of the most uh underutilized characters this season yeah she asked ted to drive because she was going to get a little boozy at lunch and then nothing nothing happened like i thought okay we're going to have a funny story of ted driving on the wrong side of the road or ted driving on the wrong side of the car the thing that happens is like because of the booze and how uh that can somehow sometimes make very mundane average things seem very profound that maybe that's why she seems like so awestruck by deborah by rebecca's mom in the story she's telling right that could be the that could be the thing. I mean, that's that could certainly be it. Or they could have had her drinking at 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 you know the restaurant and wanted to make sure we weren't co-signing drink driving. So maybe that's a thing. Like maybe that's a thing. Maybe that the line was only in there so that we would recognize that Keeley wasn't drinking and driving. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, but I I did wonder about that. But like like you were saying, like we were saying, really the only thing they've done other than that tease with Jamie, which wasn't anything. Uh, was the fact that they were too busy to have sexy Christmas and they were too busy. But I mean, it seems like they work together now. So they're probably seeing more of each other than they are less. So that could be a thing, but it doesn't really feel like it. It just, so I don't know where the conflict's going to come from with Roy. Maybe we already did our Roy Kent conflict for the season. Like maybe the conflict was him getting back to football and that's that. But as I said last week, that was supposed to be week two of our Ted Lasso viewing experience. So it does feel like there will be more, um, Roy Kent has a trick knee. I don't think we're going to see Roy wanting to play. It just doesn't seem like they're getting into that at all. Um, that could be a thing, but I just, I don't know. So it feels like they've, uh, I, we I don't need it. We yeah, don't need we it. We don't, we don't need we it. Don't need and it. I feel like the show, whether or not it was going to be week two, like they put in hours of work at this point, um, to get, to get Roy Kent comfortable in the position he's in right now. Yeah. So like the, like, the pining for playing stuff like I don't think is necessary uh, and doesn't feel like something that the show is terribly interested in at the moment to me. One thing I will say, I just this just occurred to me. I don't know where where we will see. Ted, does Ted take a leave of absence? Does Ted take time to work on himself? Does Roy have to step up if, if that's the case? And if that's the case, does Roy really start to wear the job a lot more in the way that Ted is? 
and the pressure of the job has gotten to Ted under pressure. Like, so if Ted is not right back in as head coach next episode, is that a thing? If, if Roy steps into that role, um, could that be something uh, where Roy is really focused on that and that causes him some problems well, and he has wanna, to learn from that? If Ted wants to learn like what, you know, if Ted's question is like, what am I doing here What when I'm needed elsewhere and like what value am I even contributing? Like take Ted Lasso off the coaching staff for an episode yeah. and leave Roy and Beard and Nate as they currently stand as the leaders of the team. Right. And let's find out. Well, and that's a way to do the It's a Wonderful Life story, which they sort of teased in yes. the Christmas episode yep. without doing, without really leaning in on that in the way that they what could What does have. this look like if you're not here, I think would right. be uh, an interesting story to tell. And I think that the ingredients are in place, especially with like Ted's current state and the fact that he's gone to Sharon. Um, it's something that you can imagine if not happening next week, do you could you imagine think, happening soon. Do you think Ted will call it Sharon with Sharon? Sharon with Sharon, for sure. He's <laughs> Well, he's absolutely like, uh, he wants to make an appointment. You know, we're not right. going to... And and I think like we've seen enough Ted Lasso at this point that like an episode does not just like immediately pick up on where they put things down no, before. I wish they would. I wish we'd have a long night of the soul coming up here with Ted and perhaps Doc, uh, her not going out to get the drink and her sitting right down and having the appointment, but I don't think we she's got to have boundaries, though. You yeah. know, like she's got to look out for herself too. That's and this true. is not the like she's in the mode to like get a drink with the team. That's she's not true. in the mode to do her job anymore. She's yeah. clocked out for the day. Yeah, uh, she needs that. That's important. That's true. Um, That's true. So, but but I I imagine like if it were to continue, then I think Ted is in a place in that moment in time where it's about to get like really serious, and you could imagine him like uh digging deep um but then there's like the cold light of day like after the the epiphany right like after the eureka i need help and i need help in a way that i can't just help myself or my friends can't help me i need something more um that like you can feel like really strong and set in that and then like a day passes and now ted has made the appointment with sharon and he's in therapy with sharon and he's goofing off you know uh he's calling it sharing with sharon he's doing stuff like that rather than like taking the work seriously I can imagine a little bit of that uh, coming our way. I think so. And I, I, I just don't know if, you know, Ted's, as I said, I don't think Ted gets fixed in 15 minutes. I don't think Ted gets fixed in one episode. So if that's the case, then there probably is a need for that. And it seems like Roy Kent would be the one that would fill that void. That's a very common thing as well. I don't know if Roy Kent was working on getting his coaching licenses and stuff that you might need for coaching while he was a player, but that is something players do as they reach a certain point in their career. They start getting the certifications and approval they need to coach basically as soon as they're done. So you could imagine that world where Roy has put a little effort into that as players are wont to do. Uh, and it would make sense that he would fill the void. Ex-players as managers is exceptionally common uh, in the Premier League and the lower leagues just throughout the pyramid. So you could absolutely see that for sure. For yeah. sure. Um, do you want to do some free kicks? Anything that sure. we have not touched upon from season two, episode six of The Signal? <laughs> I really enjoyed the Dukes of Hazard, Earls of Risk. It was like a throwaway joke, but it made me laugh. I missed that. Yeah, that was really as Higgins is climbing through the window. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, Higgins, Higgins is holding, and then I'll just stay here. And then like Nate being like, just come around. 
if you just came around, you'd be in here by now. <laughs> just like under his breath. Like, yeah. Yeah, just, but also like, that's very funny, but also like, it's like Nate sees the path, you know, like Nate sees like the clearest path to victory. The clearest path to victory for Higgins coming in and holding the meeting with the Diamond Dogs is to not try and come through the window, but to go around and come through the door on the side. And we would have been having this conversation 35 seconds ago. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but the... The Earls of Risk were not to be. Uh, that was m- probably my favorite Ted one-liner of the episode. As you pointed out, some of his jokes just are not landing, and I think by design. Yes. That was just a, a throwaway line that he was uttering in the moment, and that one really did work for me. So I, I, I enjoyed that a lot. The Earls of Risk, that made me laugh. Uh, even though Dukes are very popular in the UK as well, so I don't know. Um, do you think Roy is ever going to join the Diamond Dogs? A lot of comedy in him saying like, no, and talking about the stupid barking and all that. Are we are we bringing Roy into the Diamond Dogs at any point? And if so, what will the issue be that he can't help but be involved in? Never in the way that they do their business. You know, like he'll he's not going to howl. He's <laughs> he's not going to like bark at the moon. What if he just <laughs> yeah, like that? He might do. He may like growl, but he's not going to howl. <laughs> Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, like we could see him having a, con- like we have seen him have a conversation with the diamond dogs before in, I believe the, uh, episode titled diamond dogs, uh, when he last season, um, was trying to figure out what to do about Keely, despite the fact that she had just, uh, gotten back together for a night with Jamie Tart. Uh, so like he's been in the diamond dog council before. Uh, so it's certainly imaginable that he will be in the council, but playing by their rules, I don't see it. I, I don't either, but I do think there's some comedy in it. For but him sure. leaving and not being part of the scene and then rejoining when it was clear the, the session was over. Yeah. Hysterical. Yeah. And I mean, he could hear, I don't know how much he could hear, but he could clearly hear the stupid howling as he put it. So does that mean he could hear everything? Is he a passive participant? Like, is there going to be a thing that he cannot help but speak up on? I think TBD on that front. It was uh, very odd to see him sit down uh, at a desk with a laptop. He does I'll not belong at a desk that with a laptop. That is not a laptop guy. Yeah, That's no. not a computer guy. That is a guy whose hands should never touch a keyboard. Exactly. Exactly. He is a real warrior, not yes. a keyboard one. Yes. Um, I uh, I really did enjoy the Bake Off. Uh, the Bake Off is, <laughs> is, a, is a big love of mine. Yeah, and of I, I know many others. Um, it's a great, great show and very enjoyable show culturally. Uh, and that they're watching it in the pub and treating it like sport is is very much in keeping, I think, with how many people consume the thing. Uh, the chants, the songs, May's little dance. I mean, just shy of twerking about the soggy bottom, which is obviously a lot of people's favorite, like just joke that is on the Bake Off or yes. sneaky, cheeky reference that's in there. So I really like the Bake Off material here. Uh, Temper your chocolate, you twat. Yeah, uh, that is a line. A lot. <laughs> that was it just like talk like he was shouting at anybody playing soccer. Yeah. Uh, that was incredible. There are a lot of little cultural notes here. The fact that uh, I don't know if it was Baz or Jeremy or Paul comes back with the jarg like uh, like knockoff uh, AFC Richmond banter jersey that he says he got from a dodgy geezer by the ground. Like It's like, yeah, that is clearly somebody made that with a fucking marker, man. Like, that is brutal. Yeah. So that I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the Jarga Richmond jersey. Um, I Ted, middle finger, the, the signal. You pointed this out to me, Josh. I did not notice this yes. in my many rewatches. Yes. Uh, when they give the signal, when they flip off Jamie so that Jamie knows that it's okay to be a prick now, everybody's giving him the finger, as is Ted, but Ted is also giving him like a thumbs up 
to temper the middle finger <laughs> with the he, other hand because <laughs> he's clearly uncomfortable with the signal so yeah he's giving him a thumbs up with his other hand as he's giving him the middle finger very, which i thought very was funny. very ted and very funny very funny uh i i really really enjoyed that uh we got a shout out uh, to somebody that we've mentioned on this podcast in the past who uh in her own podcast uh Brene brown the Social worker, author, advocate, uh, leader, thought leader. Uh, she's somebody who Brett Goldstein said, or I believe it was Brett Goldstein, it might have been Brendan Hunt, uh, suggested, I think it was Brendan Hunt, suggested that her work was influential in season one. Like they were reading her work uh, in in the writer's room. Like this is a thing they were talking about. She loves their show. She had them on the podcast that we talked about. So the fact that she gets her own shout out on the show as somebody whose lecture that... Uh, Deborah was going to witness. Um, I thought that was really nice. A little bit of a wink and a nudge to somebody who was a big fan and an influence on the show. So I really liked hearing that. Um, completely different direction. Uh, how about Jamie saying, I'm being mature. I'm being an adult. Uh, you big, dumb, yeah. hairy. Twat. Yeah. Yes. That was, uh, that was great. Yeah. I'm the mature one. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Very uh, funny. Yeah. I, but I liked seeing sort of the progression of what it looks like when Jamie and Roy are going, uh, head to head. You know, like it was definitely like it was true to like the history of the characters. It was also very true, I think, to like who they are trying to be right now as well. Definitely. Uh, and I, I think in a, in a fun way and in a way that, Jamie is broken, and but he's not fixed. Like, Ted definitely broke him, but he didn't form him into something new. He's this sort of gormless-like form that has no real uh, signpost or no real backbone. So to see, like, the, the childish Jamie emerge in that moment, like you're saying, very much in keeping with where they are right now. Uh, Sam as LDN152, in his banter messages to Rebecca when they're talking about Guardian Angels, Sam says... I mentioned Guardian Angels to a coworker and they they made fun of me but later they tripped. Who do you think the coworker was that made fun of Sam for talking about Guardian Angels? And tripped? Um yeah. Jamie Tart is a great uh as a great contender for that. I think so. Uh I think Jamie Tart being somebody like Guardian Angels. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't believe in any Jan of that. Jan Moss I think is another good target. The Definitely Dutch. not Danny Rojas. Danny no. Rojas believes with his whole heart. 100% <laughs> believes with his whole heart. <laughs> yeah. He he knows the name of his Guardian yes. Angel. Yeah. Yes. I think it was I think it was either Jan Moss or Jamie. I think Jamie. that's a good show. I mean Isaac would probably give him some crap as well. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Uh Four's the Love of the Game. We saw uh the couple pundits there. I don't know that Four's the Love of the Game is a real show, but those pundits are real people. Uh there are these little sly references in the show. Um having uh, Ian Wright, who was one of the pundits there, have to praise Tottenham as a former Arsenal player, especially Tottenham's main rival. Uh, definitely like a, a little wink and a nod to people that know the game or know who these people are to have them do their thing or put them in a position where they speak on it. Even using Tottenham, Josh, it's Tottenham, uh, even using Tottenham as the team that would that would blow this or that would put themselves in this position to lose this match the way they lost it. That's so Spursy. Like it's a thing that this is of course the team that you would pick uh, to have the, be the premier league team that would blow it in this way. Um, very much in keeping with what the show does as a little wink and a nod. As I said, you don't have to know the sport or the premier league or any of this stuff to understand these things, but there are these things that are baked into the show that are references that I, I think um, 
people who do know that will enjoy or do enjoy. So I enjoyed that. Speaking of deep references, Ted is talking about all these things that are like classic, like at odds kind of stories. And he talks about Pearl Jam versus Ticketmaster is the is the punchline. But he, he drops a Steve Wiebe versus Billy Mitchell. That's the Kings of Kong. Josh, have you seen that? The Kings um, of that's Kong? the 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 uh, pinball uh, movie. I know. I think it's the Donkey Kong. That's Donkey Kong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think those are the guys that that feuded legendarily yes. over the Donkey Kong high score. Um, so that, that was uh, the reference that would sail over, I think, just about everything, unless you've seen that. Um, speaking of references that might be more up your alley, what do you think Loki's Toboggan, which is a play that Ted suggests as a set play they might run after Jamie gets fouled. What, what could Loki's Toboggan, what, what is the Toboggan? Is that a hat in that context or is it a sled? Uh, if it's a sled, then it could be referring to the chariot that Loki uh, rides throughout the Battle of New York in the Avengers uh, as he and the Shatari are invading Manhattan. Uh, and I believe uh, that uh, doesn't doesn't uh, Black Widow wind up on that at one point? So it's like, take o- is it taking over the sled? Is it finding a way to like, because also like uh, Hawkeye shoots an arrow at Loki and Loki catches it and seems very smug. And then the arrow blows up and he flies off the toboggan. So I don't know. Those are those are the only things that I have as far as Loki's sled, aka toboggan, would be concerned. That's. Uh, I think that would be that would be. I mean, I don't know how deep Ted's MCU knowledge is. I'm sure that he has seen them all. He probably has seen them all. I'm very impressed with the way that uh, it is able to maintain narrative consistency and uh, narrative excellence despite being um, incredibly uh, uh, unethically corporate. And Ted is Ant-Man uh, in the <laughs> Civil War conflict. He does not necessarily side with uh, with Cap or uh, with Iron Man, but he's happy just to be involved. He's yes. happy to be asked. Yes. Like, Correct. okay, you asked me, I'm here. Like that. I feel like he's that kind of goofy, that goofy role. That would be a thing. I agree. Speaking of goofiness, Jamie, yet again, his malpropisms, he drops a Philistines on the group. Uh, Who is Philistine? Philistine is, I think, Elaine uh, from the earlier in the episode. I think that's her sister. (laughs) Yes. Um, I don't know. Philistine. Do you have any suggestion as to what word he was trying to use? Yeah, what did he call them? You Philistines? He's like trying to get their attention and he's upset he's not getting their attention. They don't understand that he needs help. And he says, Philistines! And they all look at him like, no. Yeah, (laughs) is he trying to say... I don't, I don't know. know. I have nothing. I have nothing. Philanthropists. Also wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's also wrong. Uh, yes. Philanderers. Philanderers. Maybe a little bit closer, but still not right. Like, no. I don't know what he's getting at there. But a very funny word for him to drop there for sure. Yes. Uh, I, I'm trying to think. There was, um, you know, the needle drop, the, the, the end credits. I mean, that was a, it's an Australian artist. I thought it was a Bonnie Vare, if you will. I thought that was Justin Vernon, uh, the, the, the dulcet tones of Justin Vernon there singing us out, but it's not. Um, and so I wasn't familiar with that artist or that song, or I'm not sure the significance of using that. I'd love to hear from you, anyone listening, if you think that there's some significance to that being the last song of the episode, or if that was just atmospheric and emotional. We don't really need a big button at that moment. The button is Ted's line about making an appointment. So maybe it was just for atmosphere. That was one, though, I didn't recognize and don't have anything about. Um, speaking of making an appointment, um, here we are past now the halfway mark of Ted Lasso season two, um, heading into an episode, uh, next week called Headspace. 
Okay. Well, there's Ted for sure. Ted space. Um, there's Ted and, and Dr. Sharon really getting into that head space. I, I, I'm sure there's room for, you know, more than just an A story. Uh, I would be fine with a bottle episode, an actual legitimate bottle episode, Josh. As in entirely within Sharon's office? It's entirely There's within Sharon's be office. There's got a bigger be. set that they would need to use for that, like, uh, I don't know, like the locker room. Uh, yeah. Probably uh, the session would have to be conducted there in order for it to be like worthy of the bottle episode. It's not like her office is especially lavish. That's a good point. Maybe there's not a lot of perspectives we could draw on, not a lot we could do. And I, I really don't think the show will do that. So we're probably going to have some other headspace in play. Um, I don't know what that headspace will be. I try not to look at even the picture for the next week. Sure. The show doesn't do trailers. So because the show doesn't do trailers, I try not to do it either. Yeah. Um, I, occasionally, as I've seen, I, I've seen like, I think during the Olympics, I would see some of these things and I'd be like, yeah, you were saying not seen that scene before. So that's the only time I've ever really seen any kind of teases and I try to stay away from it. But um I would imagine it's a lot of the headspace we've already talked about. We whether have to it's follow Rebecca, on this stuff, right? Yeah. Like we, well, you know, no matter what it is that they actually get into, like we have to get into it. I think. Yeah, is we the got point. a woman up, as yes, Ted would say. As Ted would say. So yeah. I'm excited about that. I'm really curious to see what's under the hood as we start to really try and figure this out, figure this guy out. Now that he's finally willing to put himself in the seat across from Doctor Sharon. This uh, next one, we're going to play some running charades for our podcast. Running charades. Right, Josh? Uh, I don't know what running charades is. Is it just you're playing charades while running? Yeah, two words, exceptionally tired. <laughs> uh, you know, I would be breathless after like the first like uh, minute. Yeah, uh, exactly. not even. I exactly. Don't think. I'm, uh, that would me running is a charade, Josh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I don't that. like it. I don't like that game at all. Yeah. But good for Rebecca. You know. Yep. Maybe sure. she and Sam could play running charades. I'm not going to touch that one. Uh, I think that that could be pretty good because it. they're both in great shape. Not touching it. Uh, I fit, think it could be I think is the word you're uh, looking they're for. They're fit. Uh, I think that that could be that could well be fit good. also appropriate. Yes. Um, anything else, Antonio, about that last? I gave a shout out to Jay Wilpon earlier. I want to give a shout out to Sandy Wilpon and Alex Wilpon as well. That this is the home. Oh my god! Incredible podcasts. Yes. Yeah. So thank you all very much, uh, Sandy. Especially I've run. I've been running some takes uh, before these podcasts, so those much appreciated. And I feel bad that everyone has to hear this repetitively, but here we are. So thank you very much for our gracious host, for sure. Hundred percent agree. This episode, a million percent. And I, I wish every Ted Lasso podcast could be uh, done in person, Antonio. But this is very special, indeed. A very special episode. Uh, a very special as- episode of the Ted Lasso podcast. We'll be back next week. We've got more. You can hit us up uh, with your feedback. Ted Lasso at postshowrecaps.com is one way that you could do that. You can also talk to us at the Post Show Recaps patron discord where we have uh, you know, sprawling chat room services. Effectively what that is, you can interact with us directly and with each other in there as well. It's a really great channel. The Ted Lasso channel that we've got in the discord, but so many other topics that you can weigh in on as, weigh in on as well. Um, Patreon.com slash postshowrecaps recaps is the way for that you can also talk to us as always on the twitter bots i'm at round howard and so do you want me to stop asking you i mean you can ask me I mean, who knows you eventually have, i retired you might uh, have a, ron howard but rounder like i don't have to do this every time well my name is is going to be uh spelled the same way every time and it is not always the easiest to spell that's mazaro ac mazaro with two Z's and one R. Okay, you did it. I'm Sometimes, gonna... so many times, people double up on the R. They get it wrong. Well, I think Bizarre has one Z and two R's. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's right. 
I mean, and people still find me. I got a message that somebody said, you're a great man, but does Josh make you greater? And I said, yes. And that was it. Wow. Oh my God. That's powerful. Yeah, indeed. Did I not get added in that one? No. Wow. Okay, great. It's a DM. Oh, wow. Oh my God. Who was it? No, no doxing. No doxing. Doesn't matter. Uh, Doxer Sharon. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, myself, I think we should and, retire on that. One. Myself and AC Mazzaro. We will return to your ears in short order. Talking Ted Lasso season two, episode seven. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye bye. Cheers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.